right, good, good morning, once again. Uh, can't believe we're already finishing Ruth uh, this morning. Uh, in, our, in our Bible class this morning, we'll be in Ruth chapter 4. Of course, there's only four chapters to Ruth, and so we've, uh, I guess, flown by this, this short book. But hopefully it's been very uh, impactful for you. Hopefully you've uh, learned some things and, um, and, again, seen the bigger picture of why we're studying it. Uh, if for whatever reason uh, you haven't been here the first three classes or haven't picked up one of those uh, booklets, there I think there's a couple more on that back table back there. There are those pink books. They'll say Ruth and Esther on there. And uh, you can use those to study before class uh, or just kind of follow along. I usually I try to take the questions that are in the curriculum and uh, put them throughout the lesson. And then that means uh, next Sunday we will jump into the book of Esther, which is the book that I really wanted to study and so uh, hopefully uh, <clears throat> you can have uh, chapter one read by next Sunday and we can uh, discuss what's going on there. But again, we're going to finish out Ruth here this morning. And of course, hopefully you've sort of seen the, the, the trajectory or I guess trajectory of, uh, of Naomi, right? Naomi really, uh, even though this book is called Ruth, uh, really it's Naomi's story that we're sort of following, right? And she... Uh, again, her and her family in chapter 1, they leave uh, Bethlehem. They go into the foreign land of Moab because of the famine. And she's there with her husband and her two sons. Of course, her two sons get married. But then, of course, she loses everything, right? Her, her husband dies. Her, her two sons die. And, and then she's left there with her two daughter-in-laws. And again, we, we're, trying, we're sort of seeing her, her faith, her, again, her traje- trajectory of faith as we go throughout these chapters, in chapter 1, you know, it's, it's on the decline, right? And uh, so, but however, you know, there's that bright spot, and that's Ruth clinging to her mother-in-law. And so uh, we're impressed with her and her dedication to her mother-in-law. Then we get into chapter 2, and Naomi's faith sort of in the Lord is uh, being restored, right? So we see it starting to go back up again uh, as... Uh, Ruth goes out into the field and gleans for the two of them. And again, that whole chapter was uh, a providential chapter that we studied of how, you know, she just happened to be at the right place at the right time, uh, at, at the field of the right man. And, uh, of course, this was Boaz. And uh, by the end of that chapter, you know, they've got food. And Naomi, she's praising God, and she's acknowledging that God's good. And then uh, last week we studied chapter 3, where... Again, her, her faith is just increasing again, right, as she's, uh, uh, she's restored to hope. And, and she begins that, begins that chapter by, you know, setting up that, that matchmaking possibility between Boaz and Ruth and, uh, and for Boaz to redeem Ruth. And, of course, as we studied, you know, she proposes to Boaz, and he, of course, says, yes, I will marry you, but there's a family member who uh, has first, uh, you know, first rights over me, right, to purchase um, Elimelech's field and to marry Ruth. And so uh, before we make this official, right, we need to go before that relative. Let, let's do things right. And we, again, we see, we see the character of this man Boaz uh, throughout um, this, this short book. And I was going to save this for the end. But we might as well bring this out now. Uh, it's not mentioned in the book of Ruth, but does anyone remember? Here's a trivia question. Does anyone remember who Boaz 
mother is. We haven't mentioned it in class before, uh, but Matthew chapter 1 tells us Matthew chapter 1, verse... Rahab? Yeah, Rahab. You remember Rahab? Rahab the harlot uh, from the book of Judges? uh, Who, through her faith, um, you know, her whole household was saved. And uh, that's Boaz's mother. And we read about that in Matthew chapter 1. She's part of the lineage of Jesus, right? And so it's just kind of interesting to see uh, her conversion... Uh, to the God of Israel and what type of woman she became to, again, raise, uh, you know, Boaz, even though we don't know anything about Boaz's childhood. Uh, but obviously this man is a man of character, right? He wants to do things the right way. And so uh, chapter four that we're going to read today in Ruth is going to be really Naomi being fully restored. All right. And uh, again, this idea of a legacy, this idea of one's lineage in the Jewish nation, of course, is so extremely important. Uh, it's important to you know keep that idea of that you know certain land stays within the family, and that uh, you know men are able, men and women are able to pass down a legacy to the next and to the next and to the next generation. And we could also, you know, I wasn't planning on talking about this too much, but you know, you think about the idea of marriage in that culture in that time period, and it's a lot different from today, isn't it? Uh, you know, it, it was all about, uh, you know, making sure your family line uh, moved on, right? And so it was, as we've studied that Leverite law, uh, you remember in Deuteronomy chapter 25, if a man, uh, if a man dies, uh, his, his wife was to uh, go to the brother uh, of the man and marry him, right? And, and so that, that Leverite law, and we'll talk a little bit more about that here this morning, but again, this this book recounts one of the greatest transformations in Scripture. Again, we see all these different ones, right? From from two from from widows to to uh, or one widow to being married, from unprotected to protected. Um, again, we're going to see at the end of this book that that lineage, the the line uh, of David, which is so important, and. Uh, and again, we've already talked about sort of those two key things already from this book, the, the providence of God and also the idea of the kinsman redeemer. And so, again, a book that starts in heartache, but it's going to end in triumph. And so um, let's just jump right in. Uh, let's read the first six verses here and notice, again, where we left off. Again, we left off last week at the end of chapter three of Boaz accepting the proposal to marry Ruth. But again, uh, he's got to take care of some business first. And so let, let's read about that. Uh, Ruth chapter 4, starting verse 1. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the close relative of whom Boaz spoke was passing by. And so he said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. He took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. And so they sat down. Then he said to the closest relative, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. So I thought to inform you, saying, buy it before uh, those who are sitting here, 
and before the elders of my people, if you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth, the Moabitess, the widow of the deceased, in order to raise up the name of the deceased of his inheritance. The closest relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself because I would jeopardize my own inheritance. Redeem it for yourself. You may have my right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. Okay, so... Yeah, Boaz is willing to serve as the kinsman redeemer here, but he knows someone closer to, <coughs> excuse me, closer to Elimelech is alive. And again, the way he's dealing with this situation just it, it speaks volumes, speaks volumes of this man's character. Uh, we've seen it throughout since we've met him in chapter two, how he's ethical and moral, and he wants to make sure everything's done legally, all the social customs are uh, accounted for. But he doesn't waste time, does he? From last chapter to this chapter, he goes right to the gate to find the closer relative. And, you know, again, where does Boaz go to find the closer relative of Naomi? I just, yeah, I already just said the answer, but he goes to the city gate. And, uh, well, why? Why does he go to the city gate? Well, the city gate, of course, was, um, you know, this is where you went to. Right? When, you, when you left for work, when you went out into the fields, you would pass through the city gates. Uh, this is where uh, information, of course, was shared. Uh, business was transacted. Um, I guess, you know, you're thinking about Columbia. It probably wouldn't be the city gates, but it would be more like, you know, the town square, right? Uh, where, you know, people would gather. And so, <clears throat> so it's, again, a very important place. Um, so people are leaving, and it just so happens that that relative is walking by, and he calls him to him, sit down, I got something to talk to you about. And then he takes some elders as well, some witnesses. And again, why did Boaz gather uh, these witness, those to witness the conversation between himself and the close relative? <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, you're going to need witnesses for this, right? Um, this is going to be a, it's going to be a legal transaction that's about to take place. And so, again, Elimelech's, his land's for sale. Um, his land is for sale, and he says to this man, the closer relative, again, we don't know what his name is, but you are the rightful heir. You are the closest one to purchase it. Uh, if you're interested, let me know. If you're not interested, let me know, because... You know, Boaz says, I'm next in line, right? And, and I want to know. I want to know if you're interested in it. And the closer relative at first says, I will redeem it. But what then did Boaz say was also required uh, of in that uh, land deal? Yeah, there, there's sort of a catch there too, isn't there? That uh, you're going to have to acquire uh, Ruth, uh, the Moabitess, the widow uh, of the family, uh, to uh, take part, again, in that, <clears throat> that Leverite uh, marriage uh, law, right? Th that, uh, to pass on uh, that legacy, to keep that legacy going of that family, uh, to, again, marry her 
And then that first child that would be born from that union would uh, receive the inheritance of uh, Elimelech and Malon and Chilion. So, so what, what's his reaction uh, when he hears this? Yeah, he's like, nope, <laughs> you can have it. Um, he, now, he's got something in mind, doesn't he? He, says, uh, he said there that um, I cannot redeem it for myself, verse 6, lest I ruin my own inheritance. Um, that's sort of interesting. Now, we're not told exactly you know, what he had in mind there, but you know, obviously you know, he's going to have to shell out some money to buy the land. Right, and he's going to have to take care of Naomi and Ruth and and the child or children that might come from that uh, that marriage, and uh, so he's probably going to uh, lose money uh, on the deal, wouldn't he? Isn't that true? That sometimes people will make business transactions. Uh, some people make business transactions with their minds, and then there are some who make business transactions with their heart. Right? And, and this man, I think he, he's making it based on his head, right? He, he's thinking, um, well, if, 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 if Ruth is going to be part of that, well, then that's going to mess up some things of, uh, you know, my future inheritance. And so uh, he says no, right? And he says, uh, you, you can uh, have that then to, to Boaz. And again, again, that, that's the point all along, right, that... that uh, this was going to happen uh, for, for Boaz and uh, not, for, um, not for this closer relative. He says, you may have my right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. Uh, let's read the next few verses. We're going to read about a custom that happens um, that maybe be some of interest to us. Uh, but let's, let's read uh, verses 7 through 12. Now, this was the custom in, foreign to- in former times in Israel concerning the redemption and the exchange of land to confirm any matter. A man removed his sandal and gave it to another, and this was the manner of attestation in Israel. So the closest relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses today. And I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malan. Uh, moreover, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malan, to be my wife in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance, so that the name of the deceased will not be cut off from his brothers or from the court of his birthplace. You are witnesses today. All the people who were in the court and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel, and may you achieve wealth in Epaphratha and become famous in Bethlehem. And moreover, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, through the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman." Okay, so the, the closer relative, verbally, again, he verbally uh, attests that, yes, uh, you can have my right of redemption as the kinsman redeemer, but 
It, apparently, it was also necessary for them to formally uh, make this transaction um, legit, right? And uh, so how did they formally make this transaction legal? He took off his shoe. He took off his sandal and he gave it to Boaz. And again, uh, a cultural thing that, that happened in that time. Actually, if you look back at verse 7, it appears that, you know, maybe this, uh, when this was written, the book of Ruth, is that, um, you know, that maybe this wasn't really going on too much anymore. Because he says, again, now this was the custom in former times in Israel uh, concerning the redemption and the exchange of land. To confirm any matter, a man removed his sandal and gave it to another. And so, you know, he's got to kind of remind us in this, in this story of, you know, that's what happened. That, that's how, uh, you know, we might sign a legal document. We might get something notarized. We might, you know, purchase a license or whatever. They just exchanged sandals. Or the, the one man took a sandal off and gave it to the other. And now, now this agreement has been formalized. Right? And so... Just so very interesting. Actually, uh, if you recall, back in Deuteronomy 25, that Leverite marriage uh, law that we talked about, the sandal was brought up there again. Uh, but, and we didn't spend too much time talking about this, but this time um, it was kind of a, a, a negative thing for them to take off the sandal. But uh, if, you, if you remember Deuteronomy chapter 25, and let's just go ahead and... Start in verse 5, because this is, again, this is that Leverite uh, marriage uh, <clears throat> law here. Uh, it says, When brothers live together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the deceased shall not be married outside the family to a strange man. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her to himself as wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. It shall be that the firstborn whom she bears shall assume the name of the dead brother, so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. But if the man does not desire to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to establish a name for his brother in Israel. He is not willing to perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. Then the elders of the city shall summon him and speak to him, and he, if he persists and says, I do not desire to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the sight of the elders, pull his sandal off his foot, spit in his face, and she shall declare, thus it is done to the man who does not build up his brother's house. In Israel, his name shall be called the house of him whose sandal is removed." So uh, back when Moses wrote this, you know, it was sort of a, a bad thing to have your sandal removed, wasn't it? Uh, it was a, sort of a sign of, uh, again, of disgrace that you weren't going to um, fulfill your brother's uh, legacy. Uh, but here in the book of Ruth, uh, now this, this, uh, this, this sandal exchange uh, is now something of a, a guarantee to the, the, le the legality of uh, the contract. And so whatever reason, you know, again, a cultural thing, uh, for whatever reason, um, they do this. They, he gives them the sandal. He tells them in verse 8, buy it for yourself. And again, Boaz does not waste any time in acting upon this proposal. Uh, he announces that he's willing to redeem the land, marry Ruth. 
And again, if his, if, uh, his, um, if his uh, claims were ever questioned, you know, what proof does he have that this transaction happened? Okay, he's got the elders there that witnessed it. And what else? He's got that sandal, doesn't he? He's got that sandal to say, hey, I got a sandal, right? The reason why I have the sandal is because we agreed to this. So, you know, he, again, his claims um, for, he's got the proof here uh, that, that these things took place. And uh, again, what's the idea behind having all of these witnesses uh, to be part of this process? Yeah, I mean, don't, don't we see this throughout Scripture, right? Uh, the idea of two or three more witnesses. I mean, that's an Old Testament uh, idea. Uh, De- Deuteronomy chapter 19, for instance. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, uh, mentions uh, a single witness shall not rise up against the man on account of any iniquity or any sin which he has committed. On the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. And we know that idea has been brought into the New Testament, right? And Jesus said so uh, when dealing with a brother um, you know, who may sin against you. Go to him in private, deal with it. Uh, but if, uh, you know, if he, he won't come to his senses, you know, bring it before two or three witnesses, right? And so that idea has been pulled uh, out of the Old Testament into the New Testament. And so, um, so again, very important that uh, he has these witnesses, uh, these elders of the city, uh, seeing this transaction take place because, um, because he is now purchased, right? Boaz has now purchased uh, the land from Naomi. And, but more importantly, uh, more importantly in that transaction, at least for Boaz, is the idea, again, of uh, being that kinsman redeemer for uh, the family. Um, so, so the first child, you know, that we just, we just read about that in Deuteronomy 25, that, that first child between... Boaz and Ruth um, is going to, you know, take on the inheritance of uh, of Elimelech and Malon and Chilion, right? That that family, and again, that's important so that it keeps that legacy, uh, that line, continuing on. And that's going to make more sense when we read verse seventeen here in a moment of why it says uh, the women's the women here uh, say to Naomi. You know, a, a son has been born to Naomi. Well, of course, you know, the, the son was born to Ruth, uh, but they're attributing uh, the son to Naomi because of, again, that Leverite law. Uh, so we'll, we'll read that here in a moment. Um, but the witnesses here, how do they respond? Verses 11 and 12, how do they respond to uh, Boaz declaration that he's buying the land and that he's going to marry uh, Ruth. They're they're excited, aren't they? They they, um, they give their blessing to it, right? They they say, "May may Ruth be like Rachel and Leah." Uh, now, what do you think they meant by that, Rachel and Leah? Okay, they were sisters, and they were 
they had the, the children, uh, part of the, you know, the 12 tribes of, of Israel. Um, you know, they, they, they <coughs> the, the idea there was, you know, they had children, right? And so may Ruth be like Leah and Rachel, uh, who, of whom built the house of Israel. Uh, again, they say, may you achieve wealth in Ephrathah and become famous in Bethlehem. And then in verse 12, uh, may uh, your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. And, you know, we won't get into this too much, but if you remember uh, the story of Tamar and Judah back in Genesis 38, it's not the, the greatest of uh, stories that, that maybe a family might want to remember, but between uh, that union of Tamar and Judah was born Perez, and then as we'll see here in a moment, Perez uh, is going to, uh, you know, start the, again, start this line all the way down to uh, King David. And so again, and, and another thing, um, you know, maybe what they're thinking about here is that, you know, Tamar was, um, was also involved in that Leverite um, process. Uh, she uh, had married one of Judah's sons. And he died, and so then she married another one of Judah's sons, and he died, and, and then he was, and then she was supposed to wait for her, for Judah's third son to uh, be born, and to or was born, but to be to get older, to get marrying age, but that never happened. And then if you recall, then Tamar and Judah uh, had a relationship, and uh, and because of that. Uh, Perez was born. But again, if that interests you, uh, go read Genesis 38 uh, here uh, later this afternoon. But uh, the point is, uh, they're saying, you know, again, may uh, your house be uh, like them. And again, they're happy. Uh, They're giving their blessings to this. And so let's uh, let's conclude uh, this book and look at the final verses here, uh, starting in verse 13. Uh, so Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today, and may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who gives you... Who, excuse me... For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. The neighbor women gave him a name saying, A son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez was born Hezron. And to Hezron was born Ram, and to Ram Aminadab, and to Aminadab was born Nashon, and to Nashon Salmon, and to Salmon was born Boaz, and to Boaz Obed, and to Obed was born Jesse, and to Jesse David. Okay, so I guess it's no surprise that, you know, as soon as um, they become married, uh, that uh, they have child, and this child, of course, is a son, and and uh, the whole residents of Bethlehem, right? They are rejoicing for Naomi. Uh, they are happy for her. Uh, now they congratulate Naomi, but to whom did the women give credit to the birth of, o- of Obed? 
Yeah, it was God, right? They, they, they understood that, um, that God re- should receive the credit here, and uh, he deserves the praise. Uh, but Naomi has been restored to life. Right? And uh, the idea is, again, she lost her whole family, but now she has a close relative. Right? Now she has uh, someone who is part of her lineage because Obed is going to take over, uh, again, the lineage of Elimelech and, and that family there. Um, the women, they also recognize Ruth. Right? They recognize that she is better to Naomi than what? Seven sons. That's, that's quite a compliment, isn't it? She was better to Naomi than seven sons. Can we be that for people? We should be able to. Should be able to. Yeah. Uh, that's quite a compliment to, to get, right? Uh, maybe it's someone uh, you have no relationship with, right? Or, I mean, not relationship, but uh, relation. You know, you're not blood family, right? But you take care of that person, and you're better to that person than seven sons. Again, one, what a... Uh, uh, a compliment here uh, that Ruth gets, and uh, Naomi's on a high, right? She's happy. Uh, she's been restored. Um, the Bible says here in verse uh, 16 that uh, she became his nurse, but um, that doesn't necessarily mean that she, she nursed the child. Uh, again, she, again, she's older in age. It could just necessarily, it could just mean that, you know, she was uh, involved in the child's uh, she was, she was a nurturer of the child. And, uh, but anyways, again, the idea here is a son has been born to Naomi, right? Um, Obed's, Obed's born. And so the book concludes here with, uh, again, that, that important genealogy uh, information that we have. And, um, and again, what famous individual does the book of Ruth say descends from Boaz and Ruth? Yeah, King David, right? And uh, that's important. It's, it, it's extremely important that uh, the Jews knew this lineage of David because, of course, when the Messiah shows up on the scene, right, uh, they need to know that he is from, again, the, the lineage of David. And that's why Matthew, uh, Matthew's gospel starts off with that great big, uh, line of descendants of uh, from from uh, Abraham all the way to Jesus and again Matthew chapter one starting in verse um, starting in verse three again the same information that we just talked about in the book of Ruth is here uh, Judah was the father of Perez and uh, and Zerah by Tamar and Perez was the father of Hezron and Hezron the father of Ram and Ram the father of um, Minadab, and Minadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab, Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. So again, uh, this, this great book, right? this great four-chapter book establishes for us uh, again part of that lineage that's so important to know about because again when Jesus shows up uh, in the first century, um, you know, in order for him to be the true Messiah, you know, he's got to be able to, 
uh, can, well, or at least Matthew's got to be able to convince the Jews that he's writing to that this guy came from the line of David, right? And so, uh, that, so that's important. And then again, we just talked about how uh, Boaz, Boaz's mother was Rahab, uh, the harlot, that we, uh, we only find that out in the book of Matthew. And so, again, there's another interesting twist uh, to this. Um, I just want to talk about one quick, well, we have a couple of minutes. Uh, just give me, in your opinion, we'll close it out with this. With this. In your opinion, what, is, um, what's, what are the most important lessons that we took from this book? I mean, what are you going to remember uh, by studying uh, these four chapters of Ruth? So the importance of um, not leaving people alone by themselves. Yeah, that, that's, that's important, right? Um, uh, Ruth clung to Naomi. Naomi lost everyone, and she went back home, and Naomi clung to her. And Naomi tried to get her, tried to push her away, didn't she? And, uh, but she still, she clung to her. So, yeah, that's a great lesson. Anyone else have any other lessons that just really stuck out to them? All right. Okay, family loyalty. Yeah. Okay, the love and care for one another. And that's, if I had more time, I was going to talk about, uh, you know, we, we saw the community uh, uh, in chapter one, and really in chapter four of Bethlehem was really reaching out to Naomi and, and Ruth as well. We saw, um, you know, I saw that parallel there of, of, the community who was excited when Naomi was coming back home, right? They, she had been gone for 10 years, and she comes home, and, is like, and that stirred up the city, right? They were excited. And then here in chapter 4, they're excited for Naomi because of, of Obed being born. And I made that connection with, uh, you know, the community and, you know, in the New Testament, the church, right? That, that we are to be that way as well. Uh, we are to be excited. We are to stir up uh, our brethren and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's a great point as well. Okay, so God will provide, right? The, the idea of providence that we've talked about, uh, yeah, one of the major uh, points uh, in this book. And you... God will provide, and an angel pointed out how uh, in chapter 2, you know, there was that grain given to Naomi, and then in chapter 3, there was a lot more grain given to Naomi, and then by chapter 4, you know, she's now, now she's part of that family. Now she has uh, the, the son, the heir, and so, again, we just see her faith uh, skyrocket back uh, to where it was once, and so, again, a lot of great lessons. Uh, hopefully, uh, this has been helpful to you. Uh, we're going to see sort of the same theme in Esther, again, of providence, um, of being at the right place at the right time, but also a lot of other great lessons. So we'll start that next Sunday. And uh, Brother Danny, you got our closing prayer for us?